Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Crypto News Podcast. We're buzzing as always. And today we have Nick Saponero on for round three. Nick's always been dropping absolute heat when he comes on the show. Nick is the co-founder of the Divi Project and the CEO of Divi Wallet on for round three. We love to see it. Nick, always a pleasure, man. Welcome back to the show. How you doing? Always a pleasure for myself as well, man. Thanks for having me. Last time you were on, I want to say you were in, I think you were in Madrid and that's when the La Liga announcement just popped off. That was pretty cool. And now (laughs) you were in Dubai, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I moved here full-time about mm, four months ago now. Yeah. What a city, man. Too much fun. (laughs) Yeah, it's it can it can consume you with how fun it is, uh, but you gotta you gotta hunker down at some point, which is uh, something I've had to learn over the past uh, couple of months. But yeah, it's it's an amazing place, and I'd, I'd say besides Miami, probably the best crypto ecosystem on the planet. Yeah, I mean everybody's moving here. It's like here, Puerto Rico, Miami, Singapore, Puerto like Rico, those yeah. are the, the hot spots. Um, so there's always somebody to meet with, meetups happening, conferences, etc. Um, you're never without. You know, someone to talk crypto with, <laughs> and and you're a hop, skip, and a jump away from Europe, which is just yeah. such a treat. Like you can't even being in the, can't put a price on that. No, you can't. I mean, being in the the true middle of the of the world, uh, yeah. middle of the map, so to speak, is is a blessing. So it's been great and been able to travel way more than I would have in the in the U.S. I love that, man. So let, let's do a little recap here. So you first came on in 2021. Obviously, that's that was the year of money printing. We were all having a blast and. Life was good back then. Life is still good. Don't get me wrong. But uh, from a financial perspective, it's definitely not as good as it was back in the 2021 heyday. Last year, you come on, drop some big news. I think Crypto News actually broke the news, which I love about uh, the yeah. Divi and La Liga partnership. And present day, you and the team are still shipping uh, as expected. And you guys are dabbling in the DeFi space. I know you are very passionate towards DeFi. And I, to my understanding, you are uh, one of the believers that DeFi in 2023 will be a huge synergy. That could be the big thing for 2023, obviously with the shit show and all the shenanigans of the centralized exchanges from last year. It seems like that will be incredible. Um, and, and it seems like that will happen. But let's start with sort of a recap of 2022. From you guys, from the market, what are your biggest takeaways from 2022? Yeah, I mean, the probably the biggest shakeout of all time since I've been in this space. <laughs> I mean, it's not like even the biggest drawdown necessarily in prices. It's close to what happened in 2018. But I think the impact, of course, on the macro scale, which we can talk about if you want, um, but it's been said ad nauseum, obviously, you know, global recession impending and all these things have affected the market. And it's held up pretty well, I think, comparatively. Um, but I think the most interesting thing is that all of this fraud was just exposed like in a domino effect, one after the other. And a lot of the stuff didn't even come as much of a shock. I mean, it, it hurt people and it was very, very difficult to watch it go down. But I mean, it's the expected outcome of relying on centralized points of failure. It's kind of why we built this industry, right? And, uh, and we're seeing it propagate in real time. Um, it, again, it's, it's not something I relish being vindicated on. You know, it's not fun to be right about bad things, but it was a necessary step. And I don't even think it's over yet. You know, 2022 ended, but I think there's some some things that still need to go down. You know, we're seeing what's going on with Genesis and DCG and and, and Gemini and all that. Yeah. Um, and we, the we're yet to see bros going at them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, publicly as well, which is yeah. wild. 
So, um, yeah, the biggest shakeout of all time. Nikki, who's next? What do you, you think is the next Dom Nordy's fault? Yeah, I mean, I, I have my concerns about DCG for sure. Barry Silbert being the head. Um, obviously, Genesis is in a really rough spot, which puts some Gemini users in a rough spot. And it's like, who? where does the buck stop? So is it going to be the Winklevoss guys? Is it going to be Barry? You know, who ends up having to bear the burden for these creditors that are basically out this money that's been owed for several months? I think Barry has until, is it March or May, um, to basically pay out uh, some of the loans that that uh, were give, granted to him, I think, by Gemini. So Isn't it a billion? It's a billion. It's over a billion. It's like 1.05 oh. or something like that. Man, these oh man. guys, like, where is that money coming from? All these guys were literally just lending each other billions of, like, air. <laughs> what did they think was going to happen? It's it's wild. So let's talk about the network effects of that. If DCG goes under, and for those at home, DCG's digital currency group, massive, massive, one of the, got to be what, top 10 in, in the space up there? Huge, yeah. huge conglomerate. They own a shit ton of companies and have equity stakes in most companies in the space. If they go under, like, there must be some second order effects that we're going to be seeing. Not just like the price of Bitcoin, the price of ETH, which I know they have a, I think they own like 3% of Bitcoin, two, I don't know. They, they own a pretty solid chunk of Bitcoin, but like, besides the obvious ones, what else will fall? Like, what else will come from that? Yeah, I mean, they obviously, the biggest things are, you know, GBDC, which is the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust and the ETH. Yeah. Trust yeah. and, and all the other trusts. Um, I'm actually just trying to pull up all the ones that they're in on, um, uh, that they hold. And they, you're right, they hold enormous balances of a lot of these. So, um, yeah, I mean, like they hold 8.5 roughly percent of the Ethereum classic market cap. <laughs> um, Lord. Yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely a scary thing. Um, assuming that those balances still exist. You know, at least the the coins are there, unlike in some of the other scenarios where, you know, basically paper Bitcoin had been lent around and there there wasn't enough to actually cover um, the the balances. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but again, like these things happen, it shakes out and then we kind of move on into the next phase of of rebuilding. So I think 2023 is going to be a big rebuilding year um, and it's going to take some some time, but. I think these things just have to happen. These dominoes have to fall. So you're a big uh, 2023 year of DeFi. Obviously, Divi has jumped into the space as well. Any reasons for 2023 being the year of DeFi besides the you know bluntly obvious ones, which obviously you know centralized finance did not work and has not worked, so we need it. Any, anything else besides that? And then for a little segue part two of the question, tell us about what you and the team at Divi are doing to uh, to move and groove into the DeFi space. Yeah, I mean, obviously you said it right. The, you know, obviously the centralized exchanges have been a big fail. Um, and the, the CeFi platforms like, you know, Celsius and BlockFi. But beyond that, you know, things have moved a lot faster than I expected with CBDCs. Um, I thought we'd be, you know, three to five years away from real serious discussions entering the, the conversation. Um, but it looks like even the U.S. is moving at breakneck pace also as a result of, you know, the FTX collapse at all. Um, that, I think, will encourage a lot of 
DeFi action because people will start to truly understand that the dangers of a central bank digital currency that can be censored and, and clipped and, you know, your social credit score can be affected, um, uh, can affect other things like getting credit. So those things are, in my opinion, going to be a huge catalyst for people to be like, okay, hold on, hold on, wait, how do I make sure that this does not touch me? Um, or at least mitigate my, you know, relationship with that stuff. But the problem that is, and this is my segue into, into what we're doing. The problem is DeFi up until this point is really, really complicated, like overly complex in a lot of ways. And it deters a lot of people from jumping in. It's the same thing that we saw in the early days uh, when we started Divi back in 2017. You know, a lot of the aspects of crypto were really complicated. Um, so we're working toward fixing or solving a lot of the usability issues in DeFi um, and offering a platform that brings some new some new features to light as well, which we can talk about if you want. Well, like your app is just, it's so easy to use, you know, like it's uh, a toddler could use it. I mean, you probably got to be 18 to use it, but that's for, for those at home and that Nick, even for you, like how many people have you onboarded to DeFi without your app? It is, it's literal nightmare fuel. Like you're, you're hooped. Yes. Yeah. All right. So first you got to get a centralized exchange and you need to onboard your fiat to crypto. Then you need to send it to MetaMask. Then you need to send it to whatever DeFi platform you're using. And then to withdraw, you got to repeat, like, it's just, it's nightmare fuel 101. It's no it's bueno. And the a solution like yours needed to be had. It's funny. Cause I've, I've obviously done it several times, showed people how to use MetaMask and yield farms and all that stuff. And within the you know scope of, of doing that with each person, I end up just laughing and stepping back and being like, I can't even believe I know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, it's so convoluted with the bridging and everything else. So yeah, I mean, um, I think the coolest thing though, uh, you know, obviously we're, we're implementing a lot of the ease of use features that you see in our wallet. And one of the coolest things is actually, you'll be able to sign up with just your email and use the DeFi. Um, we use a a software called Magic Link, which we didn't invent, but it's it's a really cool thing you should check out. Um, that basically uses zero knowledge proofs to establish a wallet for you, so you don't need to use MetaMask or anything really, just your email address or your phone number. We're just using email for for the time being, but um, so just starting right there, like you eliminate what five six steps done, and then moving from there, you know, we actually created what I think is correct me if I'm wrong, the first truly cross-chain staking bridge. So our layer one blockchain um, basically accumulates a pool of tokens in, in its bridge um, and continues to stake them using our patented staking vault technology. So anybody who's actually participating in our DeFi pools is earning additional yield from the L1, which again, I don't think has been done yet. But I'm, I'm happy to be wrong if, if that's the case. And this is all done within the app. Like once you sign up via email in the app, there's nothing else you got to do. Yeah, it's very simple. Um, so it'll, it'll start on a website and um, yeah, it'll, it'll quickly be integrated with the, with the mobile app. Um, but MagicLink kind of makes all of that really, really seamless um, and, and secure, which is of course paramount. Well, why haven't I heard of MagicLink before? Like obviously that's a me problem, but like it, it, <laughs> I don't think that's a, big brand name in the space. Perhaps I'm wrong, but are, are they big? I honestly haven't seen a ton of wallets using them yet. Um, although I think they will grow in popularity as they should. It's a great technology. You should definitely Solid read product. the white paper. It's really sound. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And it's, I mean, ZK proofs, zero knowledge proofs predate crypto 
by like a decade, right? So this is sound secure technology that they're just applying to something yeah. that we use, which is signing onto a crypto wallet, which is great. That's another big trend that all the OGs like yourself have been saying for a while, 2023, 2024 will be the year of ZK proof, ZK rollups. And this is, of all the aspects of crypto, I think, Nick, I think this is the one I have the most trouble explaining to my non-crypto native friends. Uh, if you could take a stab <laughs> at it, I'd love it, but it is pretty hard to explain, like at least without a graph in front of you. But uh, for those who will it not is. be watching and just listening at home, I'd love if you could take a stab and pretend you know <laughs> we're all three-year-olds and try to explain ZK Proust to us. Yeah, so I mean, um, probably the best way to do this is to give like a tangible example. So I think the, the big one of the biggest things that's going to be spoken on in, in 2023 is what they're calling ZK EVMs, zero knowledge EVMs, which are the layer twos that we're used to, like Polygon, Arbitrum, et cetera. Actually, I don't remember if Arbitrum's ZK, but anyway, we'll use Polygon as the example. Right now, if you want to bridge to Polygon from Ethereum, right, you have to go to Polygon's bridge. It uses a smart contract and like basically you know, holds the tokens from Ethereum's blockchain and puts them on, uh, mints them on, on the Polygon chain. And vice versa, when you leave Polygon, it burns those tokens and, and gives you back your coins. That's how it's done now with bridges. It's a problem because as we've seen, bridges get hacked all the time. With zero knowledge proofs and, and ZK AVMs as they come to, to fruition, you'll be able to bridge between blockchains seamlessly without having to lock the coins uh, in a it becomes a centralized point bridge. of failure, right? In the bridge. Yeah. Um, and it does this essentially by creating a relationship between the data. So it's basically, it's like if I want to sign into a website and I want to use my phone to do it, I know my phone is secure because it's in my hand. I know my computer is secure because it's in front of me. There's nothing in between it. Um, so that's basically what a ZK proof is doing, sort of. Um, it's creating a relationship between two things that are only known to each other um, and can only be verified by one another. So, so that's kind of extremely reductive, but <laughs> it's my best No, it's, it. That's pretty friggin' well done. And and the thing that really intrigues and interests me with ZK proofs and ZK rollups, just ZK tech, I guess to be more specific, is the multitude of use cases. Like this isn't just crypto specific. This is, you know, privacy and and data is at the paramount of of you know people's minds right now. It's just everyone's aware of how you know big web2 companies have been farming our data and making trillions of dollars off of it and the gen pop is finally being cognizant hey you know that should probably stop and zk tech is sort of the catalyst and is the literal technology that can allow our data to be shared with only the party that it needs to be shared with without anyone else getting access to it and again like when you explain it like that you did a great job and it's pretty easy but when you sort of you know, pop open the hood and look at the tech. I'm just like, that's a little out of my pay grade. You know, it's pretty bananas. <laughs> it is crazy. I mean, it's it's high level cryptography, a lot of math. People that are way better at math than me, yeah, could probably explain it better. But um, it is it is wonderful that it's finally being used. And I'm, I'm actually seeing like even Apple and Microsoft and some other Web two companies are looking at it for simple things like logins. I think yeah. Apple's pretty far ahead with it. So yeah, it's definitely um, you know the UX of everything will get easier. And then in the near future. Love that. Nick, gotta take a quick break. Huge shout out to our sponsor of the show, that is Prime XBT. I think this is Nick's third 
Rip Around the Clock with Prime XBT is a sponsor. Huge shout out to them. We love them as they offer a robust trading system for both beginners and professional traders. Doesn't matter if you're a rookie or a vet, you can easily design and customize your layouts and widgets to best fit your trading style. Prime XBT is also running an exclusive promo for listeners of the Crypto News podcast. Get 50% of your deposit credited to your trading account. Again, the promo code is CryptoNews50. That's CryptoNews50 to receive 50% of your deposit credited to your trading account. And now back to the show with Nick. Before we get into more crypto stuff, we got to talk about the trendiest topic in the world right now, and that is AI. Everyone is drooling over AI. I know most of our guests over most of yeah, the crypto news guests over the last couple of weeks, everyone's been fucking around with ChatGPT. <laughs> I've been fucking around with Dolly for heck months now. I think it's so much fun. Um, what's your take on that? Yeah, have you you know implemented that into Divi at all, or just personal writing, blogging, whatever? Uncovered yeah, it's cool really, shit. It's really fun to play with. Um, I haven't personally used anything commercially yet. Um, I have played around with some of the. I love. Um, the Dolly, of course, is amazing. And the, the other one, Static Diffusion or whatever it's called. Um, yes, stable Diffusion. Stable Diffusion, thank you. Uh, which is really sweet. And just like playing around with the, the outcomes of that. Chat GPT is really, really cool. Um, especially just like having it write simple, you know, um, things that I would have to do early on in my like dev career. Like, Write a quick Crazy. server in Express, you know, or write a, a quick like NFT smart contract, things like that. And it can do it pretty, pretty good, pretty quickly. Um, but obviously there's still concerns around like whether or not everything that is being produced is ethically produced um, or if it's completely, um, you know, unbiased. Those types oh, of things are def- really interesting to me. <laughs> it's definitely, yeah, I know, I, yeah, I feel like you and I probably lean the same way politically and the, the bias yeah. is definitely very, uh, <laughs> very apparent. Like, yeah. how, what's the solution to that though? Like if, if the company, if OpenAI, the company behind ChatGPT is more left-leaning, like what do you do? Like what is the solution yeah. to that? Yeah, because you, you end up basically creating another Google Right, where exactly. the results can be manipulated to to your algorithm, you know, to show you what you want to see or what you shouldn't see, whatever. I mean that that debate is going to take a long time. Even Elon Musk, yeah. you know, has been involved in the ethical yeah. AI debate. Um, yeah. But I think the the real the real answer is like AGI, right? An actual intelligence, yeah. not something that just like basically rips something from general knowledge yeah. and, and regurgitates it. Um, but that gets into a whole other swath of issues, like what happens if it totally becomes sentient and all that kind of stuff. So That's the um, scary shit though. AGI is like, yeah. and the, the, the scary thing with that is I, we're what, two, three years away from like a legitimate model being out? Right. It's really, it's gotten so much further than I expected it would. And all of these things have, quantum computing is, as well, is way further ahead than I thought it would be at this point. And all of these things start to interconnect, right? Yeah. Um, if if you know an AGI gets access to quantum computing, it can learn faster than Work. anything, yeah. right? Which could be yeah. really really troublesome. So, um, yeah, I mean, people are going to be on this much better than I can. <laughs> I'm not a uh, I'm, I'm not smart enough to be honest to solve that problem. That's like solving the world's problems all in one. But 
Um, it is fun to watch. <laughs> it'd be it'd be pretty sick if AGI could like come up with a cure for cancer or or any yeah. of the big four diseases that kill you know eighty percent of humans. Like like imagine you know I'm a big believer and I, the, what I'm about to say is a little controversial, but I do wholeheartedly believe and from my experience, happiness is a choice. When I'm feeling down, I can you know fake a smile and and call a friend or, or family to make me laugh and feel better. And when I think about AGI and and I'm like Jesus, you know they're gonna. They're going to hoop us all with we're done, the world's toast once, you know, the robots get control. And like, think of the good that can happen though. Think about the perhaps billions of lives that can be saved. Think about the billions or the hundreds of millions of lives, billions that can be taken out of poverty. Like who knows right. what this thing can do that's infinitely smarter than you and I. It's it's cool to exactly. think about. It is. I like that outlook. I, I like that perspective. That's cool. Definitely, you know, it's a choice. Like I'm not, I'm not going to be a negative Nancy and just let uh, <laughs> let AI run my show. But very interesting to yeah. talk about. Um, you've been in Bitcoin for a hot minute. We uh, heck, I I don't even think I've discussed Bitcoin. It's probably been a month since it's even been brought up on the pod. There's just been so many other trendy subjects, and especially the FTX fallout, and then I, AI, and and of course a bunch of different other things, and, and then 2023, you know, recaps. What's been going on with Bitcoin recently? What's new? I, I see a lot of the Bitcoin devs have been hacked recently. It's like, guys, that's yeah. you know, you're a spokesperson for the friggin' community. You probably shouldn't be getting hacked. Should probably not have your, you know, your Bitcoin on a friggin' hot wallet. But what's what's right. the recent news there? Any any price predictions? Any hot takes? What do you got for us in regards to Bitcoin? Yes, obviously uh, that one dev recently lost his PGP key or his PGP key became compromised, which is awful. But yeah, you're right. I mean. You're like a self-custody maxi, right? You're an expert in this. Um, should definitely be on hardware wallet or paper wallet, you know, something that's completely air-gapped yeah. and inaccessible. But anyway, um, tragedy, obviously. Never like to see that happen. Bitcoin, though, I mean, it's just, it's just been flat. <laughs> and um, which is, to put a positive spin on it, pretty remarkable considering sure. the, the market's outlook. I was yep. actually just before this um, call reading through some of the, the big banks' uh, macro outlooks for 2023. And, you know, they all basically spout the same thing. You know, recession is pretty much imminent in most of the world, maybe not the U.S., but probably. Um, maybe we'll start to see some recovery, you know, toward the end of the year, but no Fed cuts or anything, you know, rate cuts or anything yep. are predicted. So the macro outlook is grim-ish. Um, and yet Bitcoin is just holding strong, even if it's flat, still, like even still if kicking. the price action is boring, like what? Why not? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. But I think that's a lot of that is it's, it's hard money, right? It's owed uh, a debt yeah. of gratitude from, from the crypto community for how strong it is for its mathematical, you know, strength and prowess and in, in Satoshi's deployment. So, and I know there are some institutions buying at the moment, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's proven a lot. So I think we will start to see a bit of an uptick toward the end of the year. I'd say like November-ish, around maybe this time even um, next year. But um, yeah, I think this is going to be a, a relatively boring year for Bitcoin. Yeah, you and I are in the same yacht. It's uh, all the non-maxis. Pretty much everyone in the this, in this space just deserves, not deserves, needs to give a huge thanks to Bitcoin. Because if when Bitcoin goes up and down, the whole market goes up and down, you know? And like Bitcoin's yeah. held very friggin' strong. And if it didn't, everything else would be beyond hooped. Like 90% drop downs 
we've already seen 50% almost across the board for everything, but like it would be 90 plus percent on every single coin. It's huge and it's really not talked about enough. The one thing that I'm curious about, and you know a hell of a lot more than this than me, is like the new tech or, or new um, updates, you know, what's being shipped from the core team, not even perhaps not even the core team, just the devs. Like it just seems like nothing new is ever coming out on the Bitcoin sphere of things. It's really difficult for Bitcoin to become updated um, because of the way that it's right. basically product managed. Yeah. <laughs> There's no central authority over it, which is, it's, it's kind of its best feature and its, be- and its worst flaw um, in yeah. that sense. Um, obviously we had Taproot recently, that was a big deal, but it's not gonna, like that's not a price impact improvement. Yeah. Um, Lightning, I'm starting to see some adoption. I think some Australian ATMs added Lightning to their network. So it's little things like that, but it doesn't need to be money Legos, right? It doesn't need to be yeah. basically much more than it is right now. A workhorse that's tried and true and proven and tested over 14 years, 15 years, isn't now 14? Um, yeah. So that's great. I mean, it is what it is. But I think the fallacy in maximalism is like that that's all crypto needs to be. It doesn't yeah. need to just be like super sound hard money. Ethereum is just as valuable in a lot of ways because it enables this really expressive, you know, development language to be built on top of it. So I think I think that's the most important thing to take away is like, yes, Bitcoin can just do what it does. Don't it doesn't have to do much more. Um, let's let it do it. Well said. <laughs> you know. Well said. No, it's it's true. A couple more things here, Nick. We got to talk about the patent on Twitter. I saw you posting a bit about the patent. I was like. Is this for the name? Is this for the tech? Also, that is so cool. I've never seen what a patent actually looks like uh, in person. Um, it's pretty freaking sweet. I love how that like patent director, deputy person, whatever her name was, she signed it to. It was awesome. But what was that for? Yeah, it's really cool and a long process. It's been over two years since we filed that patent. Um, Those are like a lot of back and forth. Well, you have to, You basically you file like a provisional patent um, and then they review it forever. And then eventually they're like, okay, we can approve this. Do you want to right. go forward with it? And you basically have like a year to up, make a little updates and stuff like that. Because obviously your technology may have changed over a year's time. Um, then you resubmit it and it's kind of a process like that. Yeah, back and forth. Um, but finally it was officially issued with its final, you know, information. Um, what it covers is technically the name of it is the Remote Broadcast Masternode Patent which of course we're known for the one-click masternode. That's kind of our yeah. claim to fame. What we were able to do though, and probably this is maybe again, you're breaking this for the first time. We were able to wrap, wrap basically our staking vault technology into this patent. So the ability to um, using a proprietary third key remotely sign and deploy nodes infrastructure for cryptocurrencies or other blockchain products, um, which is pretty broad scope considering what that could apply to. So um, yeah, obviously we're already using it in our wallet. We'll use it for the, yeah. the DeFi protocol for the cross-chain staking, but we are hoping that other chains may want to use it as well. And we didn't, we didn't build this to like go around suing people who are using similar things. Yeah, We built it so that Microsoft couldn't do it and take it from us of course. as a community, right? Yeah. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's something that people gain some interest in and we can uh, apply to other cool stuff. Yeah. Well, congrats on that, and and if uh, if Microsoft and Billy Gates wants to uh, wants to swing by and use it, I mean th- that's what couple couple thousand bucks per 
node. Yeah. I don't know how it yeah, works, we'll, but we'll I mean, that's him the, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, so, some we'll pretty nice residuals. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd, that'd be too fun. What about uh last couple questions here, Nikki? I know we're getting a little tight for time here, but uh, any altcoins on the radar, any, any, Besides Divi, anything that's got uh, it's got your eyes and ears peeled? Yeah, so obviously I'm always big on the the main ones, Ethereum and Bit and Bitcoin. But um, yeah. Polygon is really heating up. I think it's yeah. obviously it's well known. Matic is well known, but I think it's kind of it has kind of flown under the radar with the amount of stuff that's actually being done there. Um, I'm not. I don't own any currently. I don't own really many altcoins at the moment, but uh, definitely I'm watching that. The other one I'm really interested in is Atom. The yeah. ecosystem is incredible. It's been growing. Um, and like the Cosmos hub is really a great step toward interoperability, which I'm huge on. Anything that's like interoperability or infrastructure focus, that's what I'm looking at. Um, outside that, yeah, I'm not, I don't really dig too deep into a lot of them. Those are those are like the main ones I'm I'm focused on at the moment. I love that he comes on the show and pumps my bags. I'm a, a decent holder in both of those, so <laughs> I, <laughs> thank you. Full disclosure: I don't I don't <laughs> yeah, even yeah. own either, but um, I love the yeah. projects. I'm I'm a, I'm a nerd, man. I just I love this stuff. No, I just I find that funny. Like you and I, you know, just sort of caught up personally before we started, you know, going live here, and then uh, <laughs> didn't even mention either of those. And you you bring up two of my biggest bags. So hey, we love to see that. Nick, nice. what a tree, man. Last question before you go. Give me some hot takes. 2023 doesn't have to be crypto related. It can be, you know, health, wealth, happiness, politics, food, space, you name it, any weird shit you got. <laughs> Give me some hot takes for, uh, for 2023. A couple things that only Nick believes in that most other people don't. Oh, man. Um, well, I mean, geez. I do think the US is going to come out with a CBDC uh, this year, which I know a lot of people will probably 2023. Disagree with. Yeah, I think it's going to at least be in pilot mode this year. Wow. I think that... Do hold up, hold up, hold up. Do you have like a inside scoop <laughs> on that or something? I have nothing that would obviously be uh, confirmable or uh, right. corroborate, can never corroborate these things, but just based on some of the, the activities and motions that have been made uh, across the US and some of the other like globalist, so to speak, countries, um, it seems like something that they want and may have to do uh, to keep up with the trends. Um, right. And after the, in the wake of FTX, which is like the perfect setting for them to, to just ship this off, you know, they're in a good spot to do it. So, and Powell has been talking about it. Yellen's been talking about it. Like they're talking about it a lot more than they should be if it was just an idea. So it's, anyway, true. it's just a thought. I follow a couple guys on Twitter who give transcripts of every fed meeting and uh, that is one of the top 10 words that they used this year that they literally have never used before. Um, they often talk about that, which is interesting. And then that's usually a pretty good precursor for what they will do moving forward, right? Like there's a lot of algos that like take the words they use and, and depict whether, you know, the Fed moving forward is hawkish or dovish. And, and, and that's one of the words they use, so pretty interesting stuff nick you're the man appreciate you coming on as always bro um before we let you go can you please let our listeners know where they can find you divi project divi wallet on twitter online and on socials yeah man um and thank you for having me on as always it's always a pleasure talking to you man um yeah so at divi project across all the socials divi wallet on twitter and uh you can find me on twitter at nsap productions uh yeah come come hang out come talk we're always we're always answering always questions great follow in, too. In chat. 
Next, appreciate you, man. Can't wait for round four. Cool, man. Thank you. Folks, what an episode with Nick Sapinaro, the CEO and founder of Divi Wallet and Divi Project. Really hope you guys enjoyed this one. Nick always comes on and drops bombs. Can't wait to have him on for round four. If you guys really enjoyed this, and I hope you did, please do subscribe. It would mean the world to my team and I. Speaking of the team, love you guys. And to the listeners, you are the GOATs. Keep on going your bags and keep on staying healthy, wealthy, and happy. Bye for now, and we'll talk soon.